Tell me if this sounds familiar to you at all. I'm worried that my son will not make the team. I'm worried how I'm going to pay for college. I'm worried about the country we are leaving our kids or grandkids. I'm worried about my marriage. I'm worried about that doctor's appointment. I'm worried about what my friends are saying about me. I'm worried about my job. I'm worried about retirement. I'm worried about my parents who are getting older. I'm worried. You are worried. We worry. Friends, welcome to the No Worries series. Some of you are worriers, and you don't have to raise your hand. You know who you are, and believe me, those around you probably know it as well. Some of you uh, may not think that you're worriers. Some of you fall somewhere in between. I would say that I'm not a warrior. A warrior. Warrior, yeah, I'm a warrior, but not a worrier. Um, you know, I would say anxiety, yes, for me. Uh, uh, unceasing adrenaline pump, yes. I mean, that's more of a confession. I'm not recommending that. It's stressful. But worry, nah, not so much. And then I started to prepare for this series, and as our teaching team met, and as I began to read and, re- read and reflect on what the Scriptures had to say and what other resources had to say, I came to the realization that, Eric, you worry. You worry now, and you have worried a lot in the past. And some of you know that you worry. For others, it may be camouflaged in your life, but I would challenge you with this. It's there, nonetheless. Beginning today, we are going to discover worry. We're going to enter into its land, and we're going to see what Scripture has to say about it. And we're going to see what God's heart is, his heart of transformation in this area of our lives, that he wants to bring freedom and release and redemption. Worry can become no worries. As we polled our staff and elders and we asked folks in our congregation there about what we should preach this next year, we did this over the summer, just listening about what is going on in the lives of God's church, people, the world around us. Worry was one of those themes that kept coming back and back. And as several of you have even asked me and our other staff, what are we studying next? What's going to be the next series? And we said, we're going to, we're going to do a series on worry. Some, there were panic. Others, there was relief. But everyone was like, oh, we need that. So I think it's wise that as we begin this series, we enter into really understanding what worry is and what worry isn't and what Scripture has to say and what God wants to do. Because if we don't understand it now, and if we can't recognize it now, it's awfully hard to move forward. So let me define what worry is not and what worry is. Worry is not fear. Worry is not anxiety. Fear is a response to a known, external, um, non-conflictual threat. Fear is in front of you. You can touch it. You can name it. It's now. And your body reacts to it. Anxiety is a response to a threat that is unknown. It's internal. Maybe it's vague. It creates a lot of conflict. But it's a threat that is also immediate. And our body responds. Worry is different. Amy Simpson, in her book, Anxiety, Choosing Faith in a World of Worry, says this. She says, unlike fear, worry is not immediate. It's not an immediate response to a real or perceived danger. It's anticipatory. 
Worry is rooted in concern about something that may or may not happen. Unlike anxiety, worry is not an involuntary response, but worry is a pattern we choose to indulge. Whether we realize it or not, worry is an action. It's a choice that we make to stay in that place of anxiety or fear that was meant to protect us from immediate danger, but not to see us through everyday life. Worry makes fear complex by adding anticipation and imagination and memories and emotions to it. Worry is not a helpful activity that moves us forward. She says it's a repetitive cycle that keeps us stuck. Yet we often think worry is okay. At least I did. A little worry never hurt anybody. We can control it, can't we? we as long as it's not excessive, worry's not gonna, it's not a big deal. Like, it's maybe just a little concern. Friends, words like that and thinking like that is the illusion of control that has plagued humanity since the Garden of Eden. The truth is that worry is one of the camouflaged sins in our lives. And it's one of the camouflaged sins in our culture that presses in all around us. Worry seeks self. It strives to control what it cannot control, and it does not surrender its heart and mind to God. When we curve in, we move away from God. And perhaps what keeps us stuck is that we don't properly name the things in our life, even some of those subtle sins that can be so common. So let me take us into the world of worry, if I may. Um, Because if we can't recognize it, it's going to be awfully hard, as I said, to move forward. Amy Simpson uh, shares quite a bit in her book on how worry is pressed into us around our culture. Our culture conforms us to a life of worry. And I'm going to give you some buckets, okay? And you can run your own rabbit trails in your mind, but I'm just going to name some buckets of worry. And tell me if you've not had some of your own worries around some of these themes. Our news, which is a constant stream almost of negative, fearful elements. I'll be honest, I have a hard time watching the news. I watched it two weeks ago, a full newscast, Chicago News, preparing for this because I wanted to be integral with what I had to say. And every piece of news, except for the weather, and it was just because we were having a good stretch. Normally, that's depressing, too, here in Chicago. Every piece of the news was negative except for one story. This is our local Chicago news. A woman in Tennessee lost her dog. And a Canadian family somehow miraculously found this dog and returned it to its owner. And the little puppy's looking the lady's face down in Tennessee. And I'm sitting here just appalled, saying, I've just watched negativity. And I'm kind of anxious about our city and our suburbs. And I'm not really finding the good news of this little puppy in Tennessee found by a Canadian family like is the only piece of goodness that's going on in our lives around us. Our news can cultivate worry. Mass marketing preys and feeds on what is missing in our lives. Sometimes through fear, sometimes through anxiety, but it creates this wedge that we're not content with what we have. And so sometimes it leads to worry. How about parenting worry? Do any of you worry as parents? Nobody. Oh, you are like far ahead of the game, much further than I am. I mean, I have probably worried more with my kids. I now have a teenager and one about to turn 12, and I'm finding I'm exchanging one form of worry for another. 
Um, I remember one time, uh, Sadie was six months old. My little Sadie, I called her my peanut girl. And uh, I was on staff with Athletes in Action, and we were traveling to Europe for two to three months. And uh, so I went ahead. It's hard to have a six-month-old traveling in seven countries in Western Europe in three months. And so I went ahead and left them behind. And we found that um, Sadie was having some physical challenges. And so Ann was taking her to the doctor as we were leaving, and we weren't too concerned. And then, you know, six, you know this is 12 and a half years ago. Our, our communication isn't as instant as it is now. So there were gaps in the news updates I would get from her. And the doctor said, well, it looks like one of three things is happening. Either it's nothing, what's going on with her, um, or some hormonal imbalance that can be adjusted with medicine, or worst case, it's a brain tumor that's affecting a part of the brain that's leading to some of these changes in her. And I was panicked. I mean, there's the, the, the lack of control you feel as a parent when your children are struggling I mean, it just crushed me. I went back, and I just happened to find one of the journals during that time. And, I mean, it was page after page of just misery. And you know what happened? It turned out to be nothing. Praise God. But all the worry for weeks and weeks and weeks. You know, I'm a continent away, and my little girl's going through all of these tests. Like, it, 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 I mean, it was a struggle. How about civic or political worry? Who's really in control? What's going on with our country? The lawmakers, right? Depending which side of the aisle you're on. There's, we worry about our politics, both here and around the world. How about social media? Does that create worry for anyone? There's no bigger source of conflict in my house right now than social media. Screens and texting and Insta this and Face that. Um, you know, the cyber drama that it kicks up in relationships, especially with girls and their friends. Um, an interesting t- statistic said that the longer one person stays on Facebook, they trend from happiness toward depression. Isn't that something? Sitting isolated in your computer looking at the great world that everyone else is projecting out there somehow makes us depressed. But social media is maybe one of the most daily forms of worry. Uh, confronts us each day. How about insurance? Some of you this year faced a rising a rise in your the cost of your insurance that's impacting your family budget, and you might be worried. How are we going to account now for this added expense that we weren't really prepared for? Or maybe you're worried that maybe your sewer line going out from your house, those tree roots are going to get in it, and you're going to be like your neighbors spending eight thousand dollars to repair a new line. I don't worry about that. I have $7 a month. I'm covered. I've got insurance that covers that if it happens at our place. But we try to serve this God of comfort and insulate our lives in every possible way. And the thought of not being covered sometimes creates worry. How about the anticipation we have around legal threats, threats to our security, threats to our economy, threats to maybe from other religions? Again, often perceived not true but we worry. How about the number of choices we have to choose from? That creates worry. We have people over for dinner periodically, and more than one time the conversation's gone something like this. Honey, the Smiths are going to be here in just a second. Did you get the salad dressing? Yes, I got the salad dressing. Wait, 
You got the generic salad dressing? These are our friends. Like, this is important. Like, the salad's going to be ruined. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I've destroyed the whole dinner party. I got the wrong salad dressing. Like, and then in that moment, I'm like, do I just drop the salad bowl? Like, it'll create another bad moment. But at least I've saved dinner because we're not going to put the bad salad dressing, the wrong choice on the salad. Right? Sometimes our choices contribute to worry. Last but not least, and we could certainly probably add other buckets, we have Christian worry. And sometimes we even label it as holy and good. We worry about the busyness in our lives and are we doing enough for God? God, are you displeased because I'm just not serving enough? Maybe we mask worry in our prayers. Maybe we worry about living into God's calling or trying to figure out what that calling is for life. Sometimes we worry about the church's future. What if we don't meet our budget? What's going to happen then? What programs are we going to have to cut? Or are we going to have to lay off staff? It leads to worry. We have evangelistic worries. Will my loved ones, my friends and family, will we be together in heaven one day? I worry for them and their souls. We have moral worry. And perhaps sometimes we even worry about our own souls. Bottom line, worry is a problem. It's pervasive in our culture, and we swim in these waters every single day. And perhaps it's so common we've accepted it as normal, or we've tried to manage it, and that is a dangerous, dangerous place to live. Do you agree? Yeah. Are you resonating at some level? Are you tapping into the worry in your life? Well, I'm going to press in even further. That's how culture, what culture is pressing in on us. Let me tell you what worry does to you and what it does to me. Physically, the effect of stress and anxiety and fear produced through worry. Now remember, the stress, the, the adrenaline, the stuff that's created through fear and anxiety are good. God has designed us to be able to respond in the moment. But when we live with it every day, that's something entirely different. It leads to, um, listen to this. High blood pressure, obesity, sleeplessness, fatigue, headaches, depression, digestion problems, irritability. That's how I know I'm worried sometimes. Lack of energy and motivation, the negative impact on heart functions. And when you put several of these together, they just compound their impact. It's like watching one of those drug commercials on TV. You know, you've all heard them. It's this great new drug, right? And then you have the side effects. Worry can lead. You have that voice, right? Worry can lead to high blood pressure, sleeplessness, obesity, fatigue, headaches, right? It's like even the stuff that's good for us makes us worry. My son is into Tim Hawkins. He's a Christian comedian. And we just watched a bit he was doing where he's talking about he just took this new drug for his elbow. He goes, boy, my elbow feels great, but I got these severe headaches, vomiting, and I black out for two to three days at a time, but my arm feels great. I digress a little. Worry also impacts our relationships. It impacts our mental health, our emotional health. It can impair our judgment. It leads to dissatisfaction in life. It leads to exhaustion, to spiritual apathy, and we lose sight of God's work in our lives. A bassoon player and a symphony came up to his conductor, Arturo Toscanini, and nervously, nervously said to him, I cannot reach the E-flat right before the performance. And Tuscanini smiled, and he put his hand on his shoulder and said, don't worry, there is no E-flat in your music tonight. 
Isn't that how worry works sometimes? 40% of the things we worry about never happen. 30% of the things we worry about are about the past that we cannot change. 12% of the things are criticism by others, mostly untrue. 10% of what we worry about is our health, which gets worse with stress. So far, that's 92% of worry that keeps us stuck and does not move us forward. 8% of our worry is tied to real problems. And God has designed us and wired us to be able to respond to that 8%. But 92% of our lives may be weighing us down. Right? And the writer of Hebrews said, let us throw off everything that hinders us, the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance that race. But so often we live weighed down. Are you worried about being worried? Have I sold it enough? How many of you are like sitting there silently praying, dear Lord, would you please have him move on? Like this is kind of (laughs) depressing. Friends, there is a better way. There is a better way. And God knew our tendencies. He knew what our struggles would be. And he made a way that we could have an abundant life, a full life, a worry-free life, both now and to come. Scripture, I believe, is living and active, and it is transformative. And when we lean into his words, and when we trust the spirit that he's given us, God can do amazing things. And when we come to the topic of worry, we must take a first step, a first step. And it begins with shifting our perspective. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, and whenever you see that word, therefore, it's a trigger, and you want to ask a question, right? Who knows what it is? What is the therefore? Therefore, right? It's a connecting word. Right before that, Paul is doing some amazing theology in the book of Romans, and then he kind of gets to the end of himself, and he breaks into this doxology, talking about the vastness of God, how unsearchable his ways. He talks about the sovereignty of God. And then he says, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, his awesomeness, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Give everything to him, he's saying. Because that is holy and pleasing to God. It is true and proper worship. Listen, do not conform anymore to the patterns of this world. Worry. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Literally changing the way you think. Changing the way your heart moves and responds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So much of our journey of faith has to do with our perspective. Has to do with our perspective. And as we renew our mind, and as we change the way we think, we move towards God in a different way. And we find confidence to move away from worry and to move towards him in faith and in trust. And to help us change the way we think about this, we are going to go to the master teacher himself, Jesus, who knew how to reorient, how to challenge people's lives, and how to to lead them to move towards him and to think about life in an entirely different way. And in Matthew 6, in in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, we find these words, and this this is the theme verse for our worry series. Jesus says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you're going to eat or drink or about the body or what you'll wear. Is life not more important than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? 
Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Remember, it doesn't move you forward. And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. Jesus is tying our worry to little faith. So he says, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? The pagans, those who do not know God, or those who do not trust God, they run after these things. They're conformed by these things. And your heavenly Father, he knows that you need them. Here's what you must do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow can worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. How do you hear this passage? I will confess, uh, I have read this for years, and I felt like it was a little bit of a hand slap. You know, don't worry. You're worrying again. Don't do it. Like, I know, I'm not supposed to worry. I'll try not to worry. Now I'm worrying about not worrying and God being displeased with me. But what if we heard this passage differently? What if we heard this passage really first and foremost as a declaration of God's goodness and his care and our response to his goodness? It almost flips this passage for us. Jesus said, therefore, and in the previous section, right, we have to ask what's the therefore, therefore. In that previous section, Jesus had just talked about do not trust in your own provisions. Don't store up treasures for yourselves on earth. Don't put your hope in your own security. Store up treasures in heaven. Move towards God. He goes on to talk about the eye as the lamp of the body. And he says, do you have good eyes or bad eyes? Sometimes that's confusing. Jesus is saying, are you living a generous life? Are you living, giving your time, talents, and treasures, investing it into the kingdom first? Or are you stingy? Are you holding on to it for your own security, your own hope? And if you are doing that, oh my goodness, Jesus says, how stingy are you being? And then he closes that section just before saying, you've got to make a choice. You cannot have two masters. You've got to move one of two directions, either toward God or toward whatever else you're going to serve, often tied to our resources. <clears throat> Therefore, Jesus said, do not worry. He's talking about the choice we have to make. Do not worry. I know that you're fearful. I know that you have anxiety. I know that you're prone to worry. But I've got a good news and a piece of advice. If I were to sum up that passage we just read, here's how I would do it. Jesus would say, I've got some good news for you. I've got your back. I'm with you and I am for you. No matter what happens to you, your job, your stuff, your wardrobe, no matter who loves you or supports you, you can walk through this life in safety and security because I am with you every step of the way. Your Father loves you, and he's going to provide for you. Worry and anxiety, interestingly, comes from a word that means to choke or to strangle. It means that it creates an internal disturbance in our emotions or in our psychological life that disrupts our lives. And isn't that how worry feels sometimes? like we're being strangled, like we're being choked, like we're kind of in this suffocating spiral of our own 
anxieties. I'm worried sick, we'll say sometimes. I felt like that. There's some things I'm even battling where I, I, I feel myself wanting to feel like that now, but these words are challenging me. Yet worry, Jesus says, is a choice. He says you've got to choose. And what he's calling us to do is repent. That's that nice church word. Right? To really say, stop moving in this direction. Like, let's change the way you think so that you can now move in this direction. And to do that, it means you're going to seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first. Seek first God. Scott McKnight, both friend and professor of Terra Beth and I, uh, in one of his commentaries says this, Jesus' words are for radicals and a radical lifestyle of trusting God for the ordinaries of life while devoting oneself unreservedly toward the kingdom mission. This passage is designed to make us uncomfortable about our lifestyles. I don't know about you, but when I think about worry, as I even thinking about it dishonoring God because I am to have not a little faith, but a bold faith and trust in him, I feel a little uncomfortable. But what I feel pulling in me is to live that radical lifestyle of faith and trust because I do believe that what God says is true. No worries. Easier said than done? Well, this is the journey we head on the next four weeks. But it begins with a shift in perspective. And so to close, here's what I want to invite you to do. Every single one of you is to begin to take that step in shifting your perspective. And here's what we're going to do. Right? Five things. You're smart. You can remember them. But now's the time to pull that little pew pencil out of the thing and scribble, scribble these down. One, make a worry list. Be honest. Ask God to say, God, reveal those places where I'm worried. Not those immediate fears or anxieties, but, but God, the dailiness that I'm living with, holding on to anxiety and fear about things that may or may not even come true. Make a list. Write them down. Second, I want you to read the scripture passages we've looked at today. They're listed in your bulletin, right? They're with the copy of the message, Matthew 6, Romans 12, and then especially Philippians 4. And I want to read these verses to you. It says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. It says, Do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Seek first. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can even understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You will be changing the way you think. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and praiseworthy. Keep putting into practice all that you have learned and receive from me everything you've heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Give it to God and think and dwell on the kingdom things. That's that third piece. That's our repentance. That list you make and those scriptures you claim is true, it's time to give God that list, those worries, hand it over to him. He's ready to receive it. Okay? And then fourth, seek first the kingdom. 
replace those worries with the encouragement from these scriptures. Move away from that worry and start thinking about the good things of the kingdom. Thank God for the goodness that he's put in your life. Claim those things that are true. Name the things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Because it changes the way we think. It shifts our perspective. And then last, fifth, pay attention. Pay attention to how God replaces your worry with peace. And as you recognize it, share it with someone else. Share what God is doing. Because when you share it, you name it. You're naming the goodness of God in your life. And just maybe that person you share it with needs to go on the same journey of moving from fear and anxiety and worry, from moving from worry to faith and trust, and you may help spark a journey for them as well. Are you ready to face worry? Will you commit this week to take that first step? It's an uncomfortable passage. It's a radical lifestyle to face this, but you can do it. I'm going to do it. I've already began, begun putting this process into my own life, and I pray that you will support and encourage one another to do the same. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that none of our worries surprise you. You knew that they would be there, which is why you've given us these wise words. You've given us your spirit. God, you have provided a way And you've given us a choice that we do not have to live and be conformed by the world that presses around us. But God, we can seek you first. And as we do, little bit by little bit, more and more, as our faith and trust in you grows, God, we will see your peace transcending all of our understanding. And we will be moving with you in your kingdom. God, may it be so, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.